Amen. We do praise you, Lord, that we're forgiven. Lord, that we've been redeemed. That all our sins are washed away. That we've been made new creations in Christ. Lord, that you've filled us with your Holy Spirit. That we're heaven-bound. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, we ask as we go to your word right now that that same Holy Spirit that indwells us would speak mightily to us. Bring conviction, bring direction, bring comfort. We just thank you, we praise you. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Good to see you. Front row has cooties again or something. I'm just... I'm going to have to put that front row like right here, so then you'll be fooled and you'll sit. (laughs) Scott's sitting in the front, but everybody else. All right. Well, tonight I'm going to be doing something a little different. Yesterday we had about 30 pastors from all over Northern California here. We usually do it in Fremont, but every two months uh, the pastors get together for time of fellowship, time in the Word, pray together. Just a really refreshing and sweet time. And because we had, you know, we have a new facility, they wanted to come down and see it. So we had guys travel from Oakland and all over that came down yesterday. And they'd asked me to share something from the Word, and God put something on my heart that God's been really stirring me with for several months. And I shared it yesterday with the pastors, and this morning as I was preparing Second Samuel chapter 2, the second half, God was really stirring my heart to share with you what I shared with them. And so that's what we're going to do. I mentioned it to my dad and a few others that heard the message yesterday, and they thought, absolutely, that was the Lord's heart. So we're going to get there in a moment, but turn your Bible to Daniel. We're going to actually look at the first six chapters of Daniel. So I hope you brought your sleeping bag. No, I'm not, we won't be here that long, but we are going to look, we're going to touch on the first six chapters of Daniel, and we're going to talk about, and again, I, this was spoken to pastors, but this applies to all Christians. You know, it really does. We're going to see, as we go through this, I pray that you'll be encouraged, exhorted, and you'll walk out here with a fresh vision for what God has called us to do as a church living in these days. Uh, Several years ago, Pastor Damien Kyle spoke at one of these lunches we had, and he made this statement. He said, there's been no time more difficult to be a pastor in human history than right now. And that same thing may be said of being a Christian. You might say, wait a minute, what about all the persecution? What about all the people who lost their lives for their faith in Christ? And certainly we'll touch on that. But the temptation today is that with the popularity, with the mass media with television and radio and, and trying to draw a crowd and be hip and relevant and cutting edge and to follow the latest fad and to go with the flow. You know, there's this temptation amongst pastors to try to mimic the successful guy down the street instead of being desperate for what God has told us to do and do it with a heart sold out for him. The Lord's been speaking to me to, for weeks about the incredible privilege and the great responsibility I have as a pastor living in such a time as this. And I want to say this, the incredible privilege that we all have to be Christians in such a time as this. Guys, we are living in the last days. We're talking about the early Christians. We're the last days Christians. Not to be confused with the Latter-day Saints, amen? But we are the last days Christians. We are those living in that time when, guess what? The enemy is holding on with both hands to keep people from coming to know Jesus Christ. And we're called to be salt and light. And the easiest thing to do is to go with the flow and water it down and become like the world so that we don't offend anybody. But the truth is that God has been stirring up my heart in this way. That all the people that have gone before us, all those who are martyred, all those who lay down their lives, those who lay down their lives to get the Bible into print, those apostles, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, all the way through Luther, all the way up to our day, guess what? All of them were faithful in their time, and I titled the message tonight, It's Our Turn. Guys, it's our turn. And you know what? Paul's not coming to Santa Cruz in 2009, amen? Martin Luther's not showing up. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, whoever the giants of the faith in our past, they were faithful. Now it's our time to be faithful. And God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to step out of our comfort zone and take what he's placed in our hands and to be faithful to use it for his glory. God was really stirring up my heart about this entire thing while I was on the, at the pastor's conference. And, you know, 
What just kept coming through my mind was to be faithful and to finish strong, not to compromise, not to allow uh, my concern about what men think to get me off the task of what God has called me to do. And there's so many examples in Scripture of people who started well and fell apart. Started walking with God, were on fire for God, were serving God, and then something happened. And we could talk about many, but two that come to mind is one that we're looking at in 2 Samuel, the end of his life. In 1 Samuel, Saul started off as a humble man desperate for God, and he became prideful. And before you knew it, he had fallen away completely, and he was a man who had says God regretted making him king over all of Israel. I pray that God would never regret making me a pastor, or regret making you called to what you're called to do. Guys, we have a vapor of time to serve God. Let's not waste it. Amen? We're going to get to heaven, and in the line of eternity, the time we have on earth is so brief. And we need to be busy about his works ministries collapse people become disqualified it happens again and again and again as soon as they get their eyes off the lord and it happened then but it's happening today you see it all the time pastors falling you know i go to senior pastors and there's thousand twelve hundred pastors down there every june and every year sadly you hear and praise god it's only a few but you hear of a few that in that from that last 12 months have fallen be it because of finances or women or whatever, where they got their eyes off of the Lord and they allowed themselves to fall for the enemy's temptation to draw them away from what they are called to do. Now, along with the examples in Scripture of those who did not finish well, there are many who did. Some of my favorites include Caleb, Joshua, Stephen, the Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, Peter, and John the Apostle. But the one that has been encouraging me, that God's been encouraging me with, and probably one of my favorite examples of finishing strong, is Daniel. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. As our example, as it's our turn, we're going to look at six examples from Daniel's life that we can apply to ours today. Because here's the point. We look at Daniel in his 80s in the lion's den, but long before he was Daniel in his 80s in the lion's den, he was a teenager being drugged away from his home, probably watching his own family, at the very least, be enslaved, but probably being murdered. He was drugged away to a faraway land, and he purposed in his heart to serve God. And we're going to talk about that. If Daniel was not Daniel at 14 or 15 or 16, or however old he was, He would have never been the Daniel we look at in his 80s. Anywhere along the way, he could have turned to the right or turned to the left. If he had, we wouldn't be reading this book tonight. Guys, we need to finish strong for Jesus, amen? We have so much time to serve him, and we need to be about it. It's our turn. It's in our hands. The gospel has been entrusted to us. It's our turn for the world, but it's our turn for Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz needs Jesus. Guess what? Not a lot of missions teams come in here. We are the missions team. We are the ones who God brought here for such a time as this. It's our turn to reach this county for the kingdom of God. Daniel didn't just become a godly man at 80. Daniel grew into that man. And we're going to talk about how he grew into that man. In a moment, we'll go over the outline. But just to say this of Daniel before we get to the outline itself. Other than Jesus, the only person spoken of at this length in the Bible without a single recorded sin. Now, we know Daniel was a sinner because all men are. But isn't it amazing? 70 years of this man's life recorded in Scripture and not one recorded sin. Why is that? Because he was a man who remained faithful. It's not impossible to remain faithful for a lifetime. Amen? Some of us will say, oh, it's impossible. Oh, that's too high of a task. How can you do it? You can do it. I'm reading Chuck Smith's autobiography right now. Chuck's in his, I think he's 85. He's 85 years old. He pastors the Calvary Coast of Mesa. He's still teaching five times a week, and he's bringing it. And praise God for that. And I look at that, and I say, Lord, if you tarry, you know what? I don't ever want to retire. I want to be raptured. That's my retirement plan, amen? My, I have the, you know, people have a 401k. I have the, you know, the rapture plan. Just take me to heaven, Lord. I'm going to drop dead preaching the word, I pray. And you know what? The point is this, guys. It's our turn. Let's be faithful. Daniel, 70 years of ministry. And you look at that young man remaining faithful. And we'll see why as we go through these examples. So it's our turn. 
lessons learned from the life of Daniel. First of all, in chapter 1, we'll see, may we purpose in our hearts to honor God and remain faithful to his word, even in the midst of life's greatest trials and temptations to compromise. If you want to write all that down, just may we purpose in our hearts. That's point number one. When we get to chapter 2, may we not attempt to face our trials alone. One of the things the enemy loves to do with Christians is isolate us. He wants us to try to go at ourselves, to become prideful and think we can do it apart from the Lord. I'm just going to you know, pull up my bootstraps and just make up my mind and do it. Well, you're not, you're going to fail. Because without him, we can do what? Nothing. And nothing in the original language means nothing. And we can do nothing apart from him. And so we need his help. And so guys, in the midst of trials, may we not face them alone. Number three, may we be encouraged by the steadfastness of others. I was talking to these pastors yesterday, and I'll talk about it as I get to it. And there's some examples of men that have been such an incredible ministry to me, and they don't even know it. Just watching their lives at a distance, watching what they go through, and watch them be faithful ministers to me. I pray that we would be able to look at others who can minister to us, but we would live a life that our life would minister to others just from a distance even watching and seeing us continue to be faithful even in the face of great difficulty. Number four, we'll see in chapter four, may our zeal and boldness not die out over time. You know, some people, as they are Christians, have been saved for a while. You know, I've heard of Christians who've been, you know, they meet a new believer and the new believer's got a lot of zeal. Oh, well, he's a new Christian. You know, he'll, he'll mellow out. Lord, I pray we never mellow out. Amen? Christian, if you're mellowing out, maybe you need to be saved. You need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit at the very least. Amen? Guys, we ought to be excited about eternity. The reason we get bummed out about stuff, the reason we're overwhelmed, the reason that we get caught up with the, the temporal things of this life is we forget who we are and where we're headed. We're children of the King, and we're going to heaven, and it doesn't get any better than that. Amen? So let's keep our eyes where they need to be, and may we not have our faith and our zeal die down over time. I pray we would have zeal times a hundred from when we first believed. When we get to chapter five, may our testimonies and faithfulness to God and his word give us an opportunity to minister to those who are hurting. Guys, when we're faithful, God gives us opportunities. The people that mock you will be the same people that come to you for godly counsel when things are tough. When they think, who do I know is a Christian? Who do I know prays? Who do I know believes in God? After 9-11, the churches were full for a while. There is a time when the time of difficulty, the people look for godly people. And then finally, may we finish strong, living lives who would rather die with conviction than live with compromise. So we know more about this Daniel than any other prophet in the Bible. We're given a first-hand account of his life from his early teens I thank God the youth group's in here because guess what? This applies to you. From his early teens through his 70 years of, of time that he served in Babylon. And what's incredible about Daniel, the kings came and went and came and went and came and went and Daniel was still there. Why? Because God is greater than any kingdom and greater than any you know, political system. Aren't you glad that's true? Amen? Our God is greater and Daniel remained faithful. Now just briefly, to talk about the time he lived in, and then we're going to go through these chapters. We're certainly not going to hit every verse. We'll hit a few verses each chapter, giving some context. But at the time, Daniel, in case you are, you know, misunderstand, Daniel lived in a very wicked time. Prior to, uh, the kings at the time of Daniel were the sons of Josiah. Now Josiah was a godly man. But his father had been the most wicked king to date. His father's name was Manasseh. And Manasseh was a king that came right before Judah, and he rebuilt high places and raised up altars and instituted human sacrifice of children as a part of their worship. He practiced witchcraft and soothsaying. He consulted spirits and mediums, and he shed the very, very innocent blood till he filled all Jerusalem from one end to the other, it says in 2 Kings chapter 21. Then his son Josiah came along, and he rediscovered the word. He found the Bible. He found the scrolls of God's word that they had stopped looking at. And he reintroduced them to the people and it brought revival. That's a lesson for every one of us. The word of God has been hidden. The word of God has been put away. Maybe in your house it's collecting dust. Let's get that thing back out. Let's reintroduce our families to it and watch what God does. Amen? The word of God is what transforms us. 
And so Josiah had become this godly man, but sadly, after Josiah died, his sons took over. And they were wicked, and they returned them to a time of wickedness. And so God, because of the wickedness of the kings, he used an ungodly king, the king of Babylon, by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar came in and besieged Israel. And there were three waves in which they came in. Each time he would kill and slaughter that which he didn't care for, burn and scourge, you know, just scorch the earth, tear it up, but only taking that which was of value to him. Be it the gold and silver, as we'll find out. He took the, the vessels from the temple that were used to worship God. And he took the best of the people to serve him. And among that group that was taken in the very first wave was a young man by the name of Daniel. Now Daniel, we know, is living in a perverse and wicked time, but we know that Daniel is a young godly man and that he had godly parents. And the way I know that is his name Daniel means God is my judge. Who names their kid God is my judge? People who love God. Amen? And so Daniel in the midst of it, and let's read there beginning in verse 1, just a few verses. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jeho- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's one of uh, Josiah's sons who was wicked, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Now here's a description of the young men. Young men, this is talking of Daniel, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So here's what happened. They come into the city, they're they're burning the place to the ground, they're taking that which is valuable, and the chief of the eunuchs grabs some of these good-looking, knowledgeable, intelligent young men to bring them back to indoctrinate them in their gods, their literature, their way of life, that they might serve the king. And so, be Daniel for a second. You're watching people around you be killed. You're watching people be enslaved. You're thrown in the back, I don't know what they grabbed him in, a wagon or whatever, and they drug him off to Babylon. The whole way there, in the back of this, as he's being taken away or drug along in chains, I'm not sure how they got him there, but as he's going, he must have wondered, what's going to happen to me when I get there? He could have anticipated either his execution or at the very least that he would be enslaved. Daniel gets there and he could have been relieved to find out instead he gets ushered in to a place where he is going to serve the king directly. And instead of being enslaved at hard labor, they're going to feed him the best food. They're going to clothe him in the greatest garments. And they're going to give him the greatest opportunity to be educated. And he, from the world's perspective, is going to be one who's blessed out of this whole deal. If you look at it from a physical perspective, you can miss it, but Daniel instead recognizes what's happening. Because not only do, as we're about to see, they try to change his diet, and they bring in the stuff that was offered up to idols, stuff that they were forbidden to eat, and they changed his name from Daniel, which means God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, which means servant of Baal. Baal is the false, one of the false gods of the uh, Babylonians a very wicked and perverse false god. So they tried to change his name. They changed the names of his friend. Hananiah means God has been gracious. They changed it to Shadrach. I am fearful of in the name of a false god. Mishael is who is what God is. And Meshach means I am of little account. Azariah means the Lord has helped. And they changed his name to servant of the shiny god Nebo. Your, your, game is no longer, I am of, your name is now servant of the shiny god Nebo. And so their names were changed. They tried to change their diet, change their language, change everything about them, get them to conform to the new world they were living in. Guys, the world's trying to do the same thing to us. Start talking like the world. Start acting like the world. Be conformed to the world. Set the world, let the world be the standard. Often when I talk to people, they'll give me, and in counseling, they'll give me the, well, but, you know, I'm this and that, and they'll give me worldly standards, and I'll say, where is that in the Bible? 
Well, yeah, but that's what the world does. Who cares what the world does? What does God say that we should be doing? Amen? God's word is the standard. And so Daniel, here's his response. Verse 5, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and, and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so at the end they may serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel, Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Now watch this. Here's the key. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. Now I love this. We have the videos that we use with with the children. And I showed them to my kids when they were young, and it's great because Daniel, when he's told, they bring out the food and the other guys are relieved. Hey, chow down. I thought we were going to be slaves. We're going to eat the same food the king eats. And then Daniel steps up and says, oh, nah, we ain't eating that. Law of Moses forbids it. How does he know that? Because he's a young man of the word. How are you going to know that something is contrary to God's will unless you know what God's word says? Amen? Why do we spend so much time in God's word so that we might know God's heart? And so Daniel knew it, and Daniel said, it's funny, in the cartoon, you see the eunuch guy going, ah, you know, as he's talking. He's saying it boldly, and the guy's like, dude, don't even say that in front of him. He might kill you. And here's the reality. Nebuchadnezzar had already been slaughtering people in front of Daniel's eyes, and yet he purposed in his heart to serve God and not to bow to the world. We need Christians like that today. Amen? Purpose in our hearts. It's all about what God says. God's the example. He's the one that directs. We follow Him and no one else. You've got to understand that Daniel's there and they're trying to eliminate everything about his God. We're going to change your name. We're going to introduce you to our idolatry. We're going to educate you our way. We're going to change your diet. And because he was with the chief of the eunuchs, more than likely... Pastor Dave's opinion, he was probably made a eunuch himself. Never see Daniel get married. Here's Daniel. Now, in the midst of all this, how many of you, like me, might be doing some complaining to God? Hey! Hey! God, am I not the one who was serving you back in Babylon? Remember, it's me. God is my judge, Daniel, remember? I mean, I'm not like those other guys. And, you know, I come here and my family's slaughtered in front of me. I get drug away to a faraway land, castrated. My my diet tries to be changed. You know, he could have been complaining against God. and Instead, he's standing for God. Boy, that really ministered to my heart. When I'm complaining against God, I should be standing for God. Amen? When I'm complaining and I'm saying, Lord, what are you doing? Instead of saying, what are you doing? Say, Lord... Show me what you want to do in my life through this. See, here's the point. Daniel was going to be the man that he was in the 80s because Daniel was a man who was touched by God as a teenager. Guys, it's the trials of life that build character. The character that we see in Daniel at 80 would have been impossible apart from all that God allowed to come into his life as a young man. So guys, when we're in those trials, remember that God's hand is upon us he did he purposed in his heart because he was a man of the word we know later he was a man of prayer he would not be conformed to this world but was transformed by the renewing of his mind he wouldn't bow to peer pressure he wasn't afraid for his life to be taken by the government official king nebuchadnezzar he's you know with before the word was said as for me i'm serving god that's it that's my heart, that's what I'm going to do, and that's why, is it any wonder why Daniel was used so mightily? We need some more Daniels today, amen? So he purposed in his heart at a time when he was going through the most difficult and almost unimaginable trial that you can imagine. Imagine your house being ripped away, your family and friends enslaved, you never see him with his parents ever again. He's numbered among the eunuchs, he's got them trying to feed him the 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 false food, they attempt to eliminate his godly heritage and culture. He could have easily, again, questioned or been angry with God. He could have just gone with the flow, not, you know, hey, no one's watching. Here's the reality. No one's watching. You know, reputation is who you are when everyone's watching. Character is who you are when nobody's watching. Daniel was faithful 
His parents weren't there to check up on him. As a teenager, he stood for, I would pray that our teenagers would be the same. That they would stand for God, that they would show up at church tonight even their parents didn't bring them. That they would purpose in their heart to serve God. It wouldn't be just because mom and dad said so. Could have said, well, it's what most people are doing. You know, I could have, could have been worse. I could have died. At least I'm alive. You know, hey, the least I can do is eat the food they brought me. I mean, I, you know, what am I going to do? Starve? Could have embraced a new culture, forgotten all about God's word and all he had instructed him. This is what happens to many young people when they get to college. They've been taught the truth their whole life. They move out of their house. I saw a study recently, up to 80% of professing Christian teenagers turn their back on God in college. Why? Because they get there and there's no more accountability and mom and dad aren't around anymore. And they have teachers who get up and teach them lies all day, many of them. You know, the science and the things that they teach are lies. They attack their faith. And if they're not grounded, they walk away. Daniel is going to spend the next three years being taught soothsaying and magic and all the garbage that the Babylonians believed in. And in the middle of all of that, he remains faithful. Boy, do we need Daniel's today. He could have turned his back on God. Instead, he purposed in his heart. He would not compromise, knowing it could result in torture or death. But it's times like this that our character is built, where our testimony is forged, that God is off of doing a greatest work in, in us and through us. Now I'm going to be transparent with you for a moment, and we'll move on to chapter 2. But let me tell you, I've been a pastor now for, all, for around 20 years. And I can tell you, with all sincerity, that the last six months or so have been the greatest amount of trials I have ever dealt with as a pastor. Not even close. And I look, and, I, and I'm not going to go into all the examples, but, you know, it struggles with my kids and struggles with health and finances, and I can just go down the list. And I look, and, but I, in the middle of all of that, and I, I'm going to be real transparent with you, because I, you know, I'm your pastor, and I'm just a man like anybody else. You know, for 20 years, I was always the charge guy. People would always tell you, oh man, just run through it. Just keep going. God's faithful. Don't worry about it. You know, when other guys would say, well, I'm contemplating leaving ministry. Come on, man, suck it up. Let's go. But I can honestly tell you for the first time ever, the thought went through my mind that maybe I should step down because of all the trials in my family and all the things that were going on. And you know what? It was just a thought for a moment. And then God reminded me, that's not my heart for you, Dave. I got a better plan. Guys, whatever you're going through right now, the enemy wants you to give up and quit and walk away. And the Lord does not want you to do that. This is a character builder. God is still in control. He's still faithful. He's going to use it for his glory if you will but let him. Amen? Amen? And so may we not allow the enemy to get us to turn away from what God has for us. I can tell you now, from the sincerity of my heart, I've never been more excited to be a pastor in my life than I am right this moment. I've been never been more desperate for God than I am right this moment. I've never been more excited about what God's going to do than right this moment. And guys, I don't want to miss out on it, and I, I pray none of us do. So let's purpose in our heart. The enemy knows your weak spot. Just again, to be transparent. You know, not that I'm... Per but. The enemy knows I'm not going to cheat on my wife. Not going to happen. Take heed lest I fall, but that's just not a temptation for me. I'm not, drugs and alcohol, not a temptation for me. Money, not a temptation for me. He knows my weak spot in my family. Go after my family. That's, oh, that's my Achilles heel. It absolutely is. Tear both my arms off. Just don't touch my family. You know, I know that's probably what most of us in this room, amen? Take my money away. So what? House, burn it down. I don't care. That stuff doesn't matter, but my family does. In a short amount of time, the stuff going on, my boy, my daughter being in a car accident, just different things, and man, I was just gripped. But God reminds me and reminds us, they're not my kids, they're his. It's not my family, it's his. And God knows what he's doing, amen? And when the enemy comes against you, just remember the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, amen? So let's purpose in our hearts to serve God. What a blessing. What a privilege it is. May we purpose because, guys, it's our turn. The enemy wants us to take our turn and waste it. He wants us to take our turn and set it aside. God's calling us. It's our turn. It's in our hands. It's our opportunity. If the Bible was still being written today, 
If Acts was still being written, and in a sense it almost is, the book of Acts of the Apostles is still happening. You know, would we be found faithful? And I pray that we would be. So point number one, let's purpose in our hearts. Daniel purposed in his heart. You know what ended up happening? He told them, you know what? You eat that, and we're going to eat what God told us to eat, and you come back and check who's better. And they came back, and what happened? They could see that they were more healthy. Their countenance was brighter, and they commanded that everyone change to the diet that God had commanded for the, for the children of Israel. Guys, when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Guys, when we stand up for the truth, it's going to impact others instead of letting the lie impact us. So Daniel purposes in his heart, and he's elevated because of it. And it says at the end, they were found smarter than all of them. Why? Because they had wisdom that comes from God that can only come from God. You get to chapter 2. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Having his dream, King Nebuchadnezzar, from what we know about his personality already, this guy has got a short fuse. Kill everyone. Well, he has a dream and he can't interpret it and it keeps waking him up and it's bugging him so much, he calls his wise men in. When I say his wise men, I mean his sorcerers and his magicians and, you know, the psychics. He's calling Dion Warwick. You remember that, 1-900? He's trying to find an answer somewhere and he gets nothing. And so he says, you know what? Kill all my wise men. What good are they? If I have a dream and I can't sleep, I just kill them all. Well, the word comes to Daniel that all the wise men are going to be killed, Daniel being one of them. So what does Daniel do? The word comes of this dream. Look at verse 14 of chapter 2. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had come and told him, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. He couldn't sleep. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And here's the verse. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret. Here's what happened. A trial came and Daniel ran to his Christian we don't have Christians yet, but as godly friends, and they got on their knees together, and they sought the Lord for direction. Guys, that's an example for us. It's our turn. God's put it in our hands. May we purpose in our heart, and if we're going to be used by God, we need to be people who spend time on our knees. Amen? That was really weak. Amen? We need to spend time in prayer. We need to be seeking God's face. We need to remain desperate for Him. May we never attempt to face our trials alone. Sometimes this happens. Again, I've been transparent with you, so I can be direct with you. Amen? Is that fair? Sometimes I hear this. Well, you know, I went through a trial, and, you know, 18 people from the church didn't come visit me. And, and, and Guys, we don't always know. If we know, we should minister to you. We don't always know. Can you give us a chance to minister to you? The enemy wants you to get bitter and upset and feel like you're not being loved on enough so you can go isolate yourself. Don't fall into that trap. Come instead and say, hey, I'm going through, can you pray with me? What do you think the answer is going to be? Absolutely. Every single time, amen? You know why we don't ask for prayer? Pride. Well, if I ask for prayer, it's going to look like I need prayer. <laughs> right? Do we need prayer? Amen. All the time. Then look what happens. Look at verse 27 and 28. Dan chapter 2 still. Daniel answered in his presence of the king, the secret which God, the king, had demanded. The wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. And I love this. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. He not only brings the truth, he makes sure God is glorified. He said, you know, although the 1-900 psychic, not helping. Your sociology and your philosophy teacher at the college don't know anything. But God has the answers, and here it comes. And give him all the glory when you get the answer. Amen? It's our turn. Let us purpose in our hearts. And when we go through trials, let's not go through them alone, but let's surround ourselves with other believers who can hold up our hands. The Bible says a three-chord strand is not easily broken. 
We need to be bound to other believers. When you get to the end of chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar falls before Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar glorifies God. And King Nebuchadnezzar promotes Daniel even higher up in the kingdom. And we're obedient. God is glorified and we get blessed. Then you get to chapter 3. So first of all, it's our turn. Lessons learned from the life of Daniel. May we purpose in our hearts to honor God and remain faithful to his word, even in the midst of the greatest trials of life and temptations to compromise. May we not attempt to face our trials alone, but turn to the Lord first, and then to each other for encouragement and accountability. And then may we be encouraged by the steadfastness of others. You get to chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see that Nebuchadnezzar has a short memory. Because he's bowing and worshiping God at the end of chapter 2 and elevating Daniel. And then in chapter 3, he's building a statue or an idol of himself and commanding that everybody worship the idol. And when I play music, then you all bow. And if you don't bow, we're going to throw you, just in case you're tempted not to bow, make it real clear, we're going to throw you in the fire. That's kind of a threat. Don't bow, we're going to burn you alive. Those are your choices. That's how the Muslim faith got started. Muhammad was called the prophet of the sword. They go around with the sword, hold to people's throats and say, confess the Muhammad is a prophet and Allah alone is God or we're going to slit your throat. A lot of people became Muslims. And here's the same thing. When you hear the music, and be careful what you do with music, because God created music to worship him. Amen. And music is something, does music stir your emotions about more than anything else? Watch a movie sometime and turn the sound down and see how emotionally involved you get involved, you know. Whatever. They play some soft music and you, you know, know, didn't that happen? You hear a song from when you were in high school and you're back in your car. I mean, right? Doesn't it do that? Doesn't it stir up emotions? Well, he was going to play music and it was going to be, okay, not worship to the true and living God, but you're all going to worship me. And the way it's going to happen, when you hear that music, you drop to your knees and you bow in the direction of my idol that's standing out there in the plain. So the music starts to play. And we see that everybody falls. Everybody goes down on cue. And you look across the landscape, and there, there stand three young men who refuse to bow. And I'll tell you what, that takes boldness. And that takes faith. And you must be a man of godly character to do that. Guys, the day's coming. And we're already there. Where we're going to have to do the same thing in this country. You know, you might have to do it at work. You might have to do, and again, I'm not saying don't be obnoxious. Don't be somebody who is self-righteous. But do not bow to the things of this world when it's time to make a stand for God. These young men stood up. So King Nebuchadnezzar brought them in. When he got him in front of him, I, you know, I imagine King Nebuchadnezzar's voice as he gives him one more chance to bow. And he says to him, we're going to play that, you know, paraphrase, Pastor Dave, we're going to pray that music one more time, and if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And then he says this, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Man, that's arrogant. Can't you just see the bane in his throat just coming out? I see a crown on his head. I just vision him just blowing a head gasket. Who's a God who delivered you out of my hands? Well, they just said, here's what their response. And you can look at it right there in the text. They said, hey, if God delivers us, you know, if God wants, he'll deliver us. Oh, king, don't worry. But if not, we're still not going to bow. You know, a guy who's out of his mind already, how do you think he responded to that? Throw them in. That's the response. And they bind him up, and he takes him up. And he throws him into the fiery furnace. And we all know the story, but man, I love it. It's worth repeating. King Nebuchadnezzar, who wanted to see him thrown in, looks into that furnace. There was a hole in the side. He looks inside, hoping to see these mockers just shriveling up and dying in the fervent heat. And instead of three bound up, he sees four moving around free. And the fourth one in the likeness of the Son of God. Is that good or what? And what I love about this story is that he said, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And the next thing he says is, come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. 
How does that happen? Somebody stands up. Amen? Somebody has godly character. And I love that they had to be called out of the fire. Amen? Think about that. If you're in a fire, getting out is probably the immediate response. You know what they do? They're in the fire. And here's the point. Because it's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without Him. It's better to be where He is in the greatest amount of heat, the greatest amount of torment, the greatest amount of persecution than to be where there's none of that without the Lord. And again, what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar elevates the young men yet again. Now, Daniel's not mentioned in this chapter. And some have wondered, where was Daniel? I don't know, but I know he wasn't there because if he had been there, he'd have been standing too. But he was high up, high-ranking official. He may have been off about the king's business. But here's the point. Daniel obviously knew about this. How do we know? Because Daniel wrote this chapter. And I want to say this. Pastor Dave's opinion. When Daniel was headed to the lion's den, there's not a doubt in my mind he wasn't remembering these guys in the fiery furnace. Guys, when we see others standing up for God, it encourages us. Amen? Right now, I mentioned this yesterday. There's several pastor friends of mine that have such a huge impact on me. Pastor John Corson. His wife and his daughter killed in separate car accidents on the same road several years apart. And that brother just keeps bringing it. Why? Because that's the time to turn to the Lord, not run from Him. Amen? Pastor John Snodley, he was here yesterday. When I was a young man in my early 20s in Southern California, I started attending his church. I had no uh, thoughts of being a pastor ever. I was a Christian. I loved God. I was on the setup team, and there's nothing wrong with that. I thought I was going to be a Christian businessman. This is what my calling is, and that's a high calling. That's what God's called you to do. That's wonderful. And I felt like that's what I was called to do. But I remember going to his church, and there was maybe 40 people. His church was just getting started. And the second week we were there, his newly married daughter... His son-in-law was very sick. His son-in-law had gone away to go water skiing while his new wife had a 104-degree temperature, left her at home by herself. I'd be in jail for murder. Take note, Kevin. Don't do that. But here's the point. Don't do that. But here's the point. He leaves his new bride at home, goes water skiing, and she's so sick and runs out of medicine, she gets on her bike to ride it down to the drugstore, and she passes out, falls into traffic, gets run over by a truck, and is killed. Second week, we're at that church. And I watch my pastor, whose heart was so broken, get up and continue to bring the truth of God's word and remain faithful. And that man's steadfastness has ministered to me every day since. Told him that yesterday. By the way, I invited him to come do a Wednesday night for me. I said, You know, this church is fruit of you sitting out on that curb till two o'clock in the morning discipling that young man who happens to be me. And you invested in my life and you poured into my life and you taught me and you threw me in the deep end and had me try to do stuff I wasn't prepared to do. And I mean, just, and you know what? Praise God for that. And, and some of you know him, but I told him yesterday, I want you to come down and do a Wednesday. This is fruit of what you were faithful to. Amen. But when we watch others be steadfast, doesn't it encourage you? When you see others stand up for the things of God. It's interesting, I mentioned another pastor friend of mine, his daughter, one of his daughters is here tonight, who, he has two daughters with cystic fibrosis. And I, whenever I go through, I think, man, that brother is so faithful. Man, he ministers to me. Brian, the pastor in Half Moon Bay, his wife has terminal cancer. She came and spoke to our women a couple years ago, at Christmas tea or something. Her name's Carol Hemminger, pray for her. Unless God does something supernatural, she's going to die. That brother's up there bringing the truth. That steadfastness ministers to me. It ought to minister to all of us, amen? You guys, some of you are health issues, financial issues, some trials that are heavy duty that I know about that maybe a lot of people don't. You minister to me because you remain steadfast. Daniel was blessed by watching others remain faithful. It's our turn. Lessons learned from Daniel. May we purpose in our hearts to honor God and remain faithful. May we not attempt to face our trials alone. May we be encouraged by the steadfastness of others. Get to chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And this time in this dream that he has, he still hasn't learned much. Let's read verses 4 through 9. 
says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house. Chapter 4, verse 4. And flourishing in my palace, I saw a dream which made me afraid, and thoughts on my bed and visions on my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the, what? The wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians and the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me the interpretation. Duh. Didn't he do that before? Did they have any answers before? Why is he asking for them again? Why do we go to the world? The world's answers are lousy. If we follow them, they're a mess. And then we, get, we go through another trial and we go to the world again. Can I tell you the world doesn't have any answers? The Lord has all the answers. And so he calls for these guys. They all come in. They can't tell him anything. And then at last, and this is what we do sometimes, but at last Daniel. Okay, I've tried everything. Let's pray. Tried everything else. I've had people say that when they want, you know, I'm coming up for prayer because, well, I've tried everything else. <laughs> even if you, co- please come up for prayer, even if that's the case. But let's pray first, not pray last. Amen? I'm thinking Daniel would be the first guy I called. Everybody else tried, not so much. Daniel came right on the money. And oh, by the way, Daniel's friends were walking in fire. I'm thinking those are the guys I probably want some counsel from. So he calls them in. Brings in Daniel, and he says, According to the name of my God, in whom, the spirit, in, his, in whom is the Spirit of the Holy God. He recognized about Daniel that the Spirit of God dwelt in his life. And I told the dream before him. So he tells him the dream, and what does Daniel do? He gives him the interpretation. Daniel, though time had passed, his position had grown. He doesn't water down the message in order to please men, but he continues to speak the truth with great boldness. When Nebuchadnezzar comes to him, he doesn't come in mealy-mouthed and give Nebuchadnezzar the answer he thinks he wants to hear. Instead, he tells him the truth. And then you get to verse 18, and it says this. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Time has passed, but his zeal hasn't died, and it's evident to everyone around him that the Spirit of the living God dwells within Daniel. I pray that would be our testimony in our neighborhoods, where we work, and in this community. Amen? Amen. That people would say, something different about those folks. Why do they always have joy in the midst of the greatest trials? Guys, I pray that we would not get so caught up in the temporary things of life that we lose out on the opportunity to have a testimony. Daniel's testimony didn't fade, it grew. Get to look at the last two verses in this chapter. I want to look at verse 33 and 34. Part of the prophecy was, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to go crazy. That's boldness, amen? Here's the guy who can kill you and has killed people and isn't afraid. He threw your friends in a fire already, didn't work out, but he's not afraid to try that stuff. And he comes to Daniel, and Daniel tells him, you're going to lose your mind. Why? Because of your pride. And look at verse 33. That very hour... The word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with dew from heaven till his hair grew, had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He became an animal crawling around the ground. Total side note here. But did you know that the former Iraqi leader, Saddam Hussein, used to say that he considered himself a modern day Nebuchadnezzar? Did you know that? And he wanted to make new Babylon. I find it interesting that when they found Saddam Hussein, he was in a hole in the ground on all fours, just like this Nebuchadnezzar. Don't you love it? I thought it was perfect. Oh, you wanted to be Nebuchadnezzar? You succeeded. (laughs) Crawling around on the ground like a madman. Then it says, At the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. Do you notice when understanding came, when Nebuchadnezzar looked up? He was living like an animal, and as soon as he looked up, his mind was restored to him. Guys, if you're struggling right now, 
If you're fighting against the Lord, you're kicking against the goads, quit looking at the world, it's time to look up. And time to surrender to the one that we serve. Get our eyes back on Him. Understanding comes through prayer and eternal perspective. So lessons learned from Daniel. May we purpose in our hearts to honor God and remain faithful to His Word. May we not attempt to face our trials alone. May we be encouraged by the steadfastness of others. And may our zeal and boldness grow over time. May the the flames be fanned, not quenched. Over time, Daniel's testimony grew. It didn't fade. Finally, in the last two chapters. May our testimonies and faithfulness to God and His Word give us an opportunity to minister to others. Now here's the story of Belteshazzar. Twenty years have passed from chapter 4 to chapter 5. Daniel has now been in captivity 60 years. Worldly kings and kingdoms have come and gone, but Daniel remains. Belshazzar, feeling invincible as the Babylonian, uh, Babylon was under siege by the Medes, decides to throw a party. Look at verse 4 through 9. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him, I guess so, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. I would love to have a video of this. Here's what happens. He's literally having a raging party, and they're drinking, ah, and they have Babylon. The, the walls are so thick, four chariots could run side by side. They're being attacked on the outside, and he feels invincible. He takes the very vessels that were used in worship to God, and he's filling them with alcohol, and him and his women and his concubines are getting drunk, and they're praising the gods of gold and silver and wood and stone. And then all of a sudden, a hand appears in the middle of the room and starts writing on the wall. You ever heard the term, the writing's on the wall? Daniel chapter 5 is where it came from. He sees his hand writing on the wall, and it impacts him so much, I'm going to give you the literal translation. What happens here is he becomes very afraid, and it says his hips were loosened. Another translation, his bowels were loosened. He messed his pants. That's the literal. That's what happened. It's the Bible. And then his knees were knocking together. And then what does he do? What does he do? Look at verse 7. The king cried aloud, Bring me the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying of his wise men, Whoever reads this interpretation and tells it to me shall be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make it known the king, to the king its interpretation. The writing was on the wall. He brings in all the wise men. Nobody has the answers. They have no idea what to do. Guys, we're living in a world right now because of the economy, because of health issues, because of things where they just don't have any answers and they don't know where to turn. And guys, if we live a life sold out for God, even though they may mock us for days, weeks, months, or even years, when the time comes, God will allow them to, co- to come to us and seek godly counsel. Guess what happens? Look at verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. And the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding, wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief over the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give you the interpretation. You don't know where to turn? I know a guy who knows God. Let's go get him. And you know what the king says? He's astonished. He's tried everything else. Okay, go get him. Get that guy and bring him in here. When the world is desperate and has no answers, they will be looking for a godly man or godly woman. The king offers wealth in verse 16. And you know, what, you know what he says? I don't need your stuff. What I do, I do for God alone. You don't, I don't need your riches. I don't need your wealth. I need, I, you know what? I'm doing this for God. He'll take care of me. 
May our testimonies and faithfulness to God in this world give us an opportunity to minister to those who are hurting and looking for answers. So what happens? He tells them what's going to happen, and he doesn't tell them what he wants to hear, because guess what happens? He tells Belshazzar, you're going to die tonight. Before you leave this room, you're going to be a dead man. You get to the end of the chapter, that's exactly what happened. Daniel told the truth. Daniel was more afraid of compromising the truth than having to deal with uh, the wrath of a man. And Daniel told the truth, wasn't arrogant, but he told it. And Belshazzar was struck down dead. It's our turn. May our testimonies and faithfulness to God and his word give us an opportunity to minister to those who are hurting. Finally, the last chapter, may we finish strong. Now, may we live lives that would rather die with conviction than live with compromise. Daniel's in his 80s. Now we have a better understanding of Daniel and the lions then, don't we? Look at all that Daniel's been through. Look how he was purposed in his heart to serve God as a teenager. Look how he told the truth and interpreted dreams in his 20s. Look how he watched and saw what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and was encouraged by that. He then told the truth to Nebuchadnezzar and watched how God spoke the truth through him. And then he spoke the truth to Belshazzar as he was in his 70s. And now here he is in his 80s. And King Darius has come in and taken over that part of that judgment on Belshazzar. The Medes and the Persians came in. Darius is now the king over the land. Darius makes Daniel second in charge. The other wise men, the soothsayers, the psychics, the guys who don't have anything to offer, look at Daniel and they can just imagine them being angry. Kings come and go, and Daniel's still there. He's still number how does that guy? How does that guy survive? <clears throat> I love the cartoon. You see him. Daniel, I hate him. A little Daniel cartoon. They go, I hate Daniel. I hate him. These guys are just so fun. So accurate. And so they think, what can we do? We got to do something to get Daniel out of here. Verse 4 and 5. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. He was a blameless man. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it concerning the law of his God. Daniel was blameless, and they said, the only way we're going to make this guy break the law is if we make him serving God against the law. Guys, is that what the enemy's doing today or what? Amen? Can't bring your Bible to school. When I was a youth pastor, kids said, well, they told me I can't take my Bible. I said, take it anyway. Take it anyway. Can't pray. Pray anyway. You know well, my dad, I might get in trouble. You know what? If my kids get in trouble for bringing their Bible to school, I'm high-fiving them, not punishing them. Amen. Amen? We need, guys, they're making it against the law to stand for God. We need to stand for the truth. Not be arrogant, not be jerks, but let's stand for it. Amen? Well, Daniel, they outlawed it. And here's the law. And we don't have time, but he's, they made the law that you had to pray only to Darius. They came to King Darius and said, Darius, we've all got together, and we've decided that you are a god. And we've decided that for the next you know, number of days that only people can pray only to you, Darius. And King Darius, really? And you know what? You need to make sure that they know you mean business. So we're going to make this a decree and you need to seal it with your ring. So if anybody breaks it, that this is a law that cannot be changed. They know we're not messing around. And so they made the law. If you prayed to anybody but Darius, you would be thrown in the lion's den. Well, what happened? Well, I love what happens. It says in verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and quietly prayed so no one would notice. Is that what it says? He could have done that, right? You know what he did? He went home, he broke open his windows as he always did, three times a day, and he began to pray knowing that prayer would result in being thrown in the lion's den. Guys, if we knew that coming to church this Sunday would result in the electric chair, how many of us would show up? That's what's happening. Well, maybe we just have church in my house that Sunday. That would, you know. Right? Daniel could have done that. He could have prayed with the windows closed. And I have an idea. It doesn't say it in the text, but they knew he was praying. You know how they knew? I, have, I guarantee it. The wise men probably went, sat outside his window, and were, you know, they didn't have watches, but they were checking the time. What time is it? 
He's going to bust those windows open and pray any moment like he has been for the last 70 years. He's not going to stop praying. And they were just waiting. And the doors flew open and he started praying and they ran and told. He's disobeyed. Well, we know what happens to finish up the story. Verse 16, so the king gave the command. They brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king, the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Daniel's faith was so strong that it caused a man who was a pagan idol worshiper to have faith in his God. He says to Daniel, you know what? First of all, he was duped and he didn't want to throw Daniel in the lion's den. But once he realized, you know, he had signed it, it was a done deal. He had to throw him in. And then he says, your God whom you serve, he will deliver you. Then what happens? Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and King Darius goes up into the palace. King Darius is up in the palace and it says he is tormented all night long. He's tearing up the palace. He's just gnashing it. He just can't take it. Concerned about what's happening to Daniel. And what is Daniel doing in the lion's den? He's sleeping. You know why? It's better to be in the lion's den with the Lord than in the palace without him. Amen? The richest man in the world has nothing on you if you've got Jesus Christ. The greatest riches are knowing God. Darius is in torment. I've known rich people that are tormented. Some of you are like, well, torment me, some of you, right? But here's the point. Here's the point. It's empty. We need more than what this world has to offer. And Daniel. So the morning comes, Darius runs to the, runs to the den cries down, Daniel, did your God deliver you? And Daniel speaks up. And what happens? Daniel is brought out of the lion's den. They take all the wise men who had, you know, made this law and got Daniel thrown in, and they throw them and their families into the lion's den. And in case you thought the lions just weren't hungry, they were all eaten before they hit the ground. That's what the text says. They all died. And what happens? Daniel was raised up in the kingdom. And King Darius made a decree that from that day forward, people would only pray to the God of Daniel. How did that happen? Because one man refused to heed the words of a pagan world to stop praying. He kept praying. We need people to keep praying. We need to keep being that example, amen? You get to God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. It says, He who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Guys, there's, a hall, there's some Hall of Fames, Football Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame. You know. Who's been to the Football Hall of Fame? Raise your hand. Two people. It's not that famous, is it? I kind of like to go there, but here's the point. Kind of the hall of forgetfulness, right? You know this hall of fame we should all desire to be in? The Lord's. Amen? Amen. And it doesn't happen because we do great things, but we let him do great things through us. So in closing, Daniel, a man of God, called of God to be his man in Babylon. It was his time. He finished strong because he started well and he remained steadfast. It's our turn. The baton has been handed to us. What are we going to do with what God has put into our care? May we purpose in our hearts to honor God and remain faithful to his word, even in the midst of the greatest trials and temptations to compromise. May we not attempt to face our trials alone, but turn to the Lord first and then to each other for prayer and encouragement and accountability. May we be encouraged by the steadfastness of others. May our zeal and boldness not die out over time, but may the flames be fanned, not quenched. May our testimonies and faithfulness to God and His Word give us an opportunity to, to minister to those who are hurting and looking for answers. And then finally, may we finish strong, living lives that would rather die with conviction than live with compromise. Those who would stand when no one else will and pray when they outlaw it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for these examples. And Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here recognizing that indeed it's our turn. It's our turn. You've, you've put in our care the gospel. You've put in our care the truth. You've allowed us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, 
you go because you're in us and with us. Lord, you've given us the truth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like Daniel. Lord, not concerned with what the world thinks, but faithful to you. Lord, I pray that we would live in such a way that we'd have those opportunities to minister the truth to others. Lord, we so desperately want to see revival come to Santa Cruz. Lord, it's our turn. Help us to be salt and light in this place. Lord, I pray for divine appointments this week. I pray for divine appointments tomorrow. As we go to work, as we go through our neighborhoods, as we go away for the holiday, and we spend time with people. May we be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, recognizing yet again, it's our turn. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Help us to finish strong. We want to hear those seven words one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, that's, those words are reserved for those who truly say, Lord, it's our turn. Help us to be faithful. Lord, we can't do it without you. We ask that you fill us afresh with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.